The Truth News Network. An activist group threatens violence if the court doesn't play ball. Protests, threats against justices, an assassination attempt. And what comes out of Congress is more swamp gas than the bayous of East Texas. Threats from Capitol Hill, threats from the White House. Against who? Against you. So why is no one in the mainstream press talking about this? Well, we know the truth. We are the truth. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And speaking loud and proud is Dan Newman. Thank you, Pete. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth News Network's production of TNN Live. You've been here all week, and I just want to thank you for being faithful and being here and sharing these two hours every Monday through Friday with us here. We cover a lot of ground in two hours, and that's just because there are a lot of things that we need to get in front of you and get you information and details about them. So, it's hump day. Yeah, it is. It's hump day, and that means halfway to the weekend, but it also means we got several days ahead of us in which there will probably, almost certainly, be some very questionable things that happen uh, at the dictate of this administration, specifically the President of the United States himself, Joe Biden. And um, he is, I'm going to call him the waffler-in-chief. You remember the uproar that uh, swept across the nation when he called or he likened MAGA people, far-left MAGA people, semi-Nazis. That's probably a label that... uh, Nobody else has ever had, I I, I guess he just invented it. I don't know what semi-Nazis look like, what they espouse, what they think, how they function in life. And he didn't bother to tell us about it. He got asked about it two or three times after the uh, speech in which he gave it last week. And he just kind of chuckles it off and says, look, I know not every Republican is evil. I know that. Well, then why are you saying that every one of us are? And he's doubled down on it several times after saying, ah, that's not really what I believe. So what the heck do you believe, Uncle Joe? I mean, you're the one that demeans everybody. You're the one that talks down to everybody. Maria Bartiromo, yesterday... She, uh, she made a, a point that I think we all need to pay attention to. This is not just happenstance, what Joe Biden is doing right now. Nothing is accidental. It's all preplanned, thought out. It's even put together in vivid detail. And in just a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break into a story that will illustrate that very thing to you. But what did Maria Bartiromo of Fox Business, what nuggets did she have? And it's in a phrase. And I like the phrase. It, it resonates with me. And I'm sure it will resonate with you. There's a method to Biden's madness. Remember, we've always told you here, when you see the Democrats doing or saying anything, never think they're doing it randomly. Don't go down that 
that hole, rabbit hole, because at the bottom of it is certain destruction. That's why they do everything they do. They're not out there lifting up their great accomplishments. They're not out there talking about how the rule of law has been upheld and how they've kept us safe from those people flooding across our southern border. The exact opposite is true of all of that. It's like they're, oh, I don't know, maybe a frog. Did you ever go frog gigging? Growing up in the swamps of South Louisiana, I did several times. Frogs in the wild are pretty slippery, pretty slippery. And it seems like many on the left feel like that, that frog. They know that in most cases they can just slip away from whoever it is that is coming after them. There's a method to Biden's madness. Listen to this. President Biden abandoning his pledge to unite the country once again as he launches another attack on Republicans and so-called MAGA Republicans on Labor Day. Watch. The biggest contrast from what MAGA Republicans, the extreme right, the, 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 the Trumpies, they want to go to Congress. These MAGA Republicans in Congress are coming for your Social Security as well. Yes, anything to distract from his bad policy. A new CBS News poll shows 64 percent of Americans say they fear an increase in political violence. That same poll finds 47 percent of Democrats and 49 percent of Republicans see the other side as their enemies and still remain concerned about economic issues. Joining the conversation all morning long this morning, Dagan McDowell and Joe Gamaldi. Dagan, your reaction to this constant attack I think this is his way of taking our attention away mm-hmm. from 40-year high inflation, terrible yeah. foreign policy, influence peddling by Hunter Biden. The list goes on. Let's not forget the weaponization of federal agencies. Don't think about any of that. Focus on MAGA Republicans. It's that. It's a. It's meant like the speech. I call it the satanic speech as he was glowing red last week, it's meant to be a distraction for the American people. And quite frankly, we're giving into it. We're sitting here talking about that speech, the speech on Labor Day, and rather than talking about the issues. And it's also an attempt to put Trump, President Trump, on the ballot in November when he's not have people talking about President Trump and Joe Biden's like unhinged speeches and not the things that really matter. And quite frankly, the devastation and destruction that the Biden administration has rained down on this country since he's been in office a little about a year and a half. So I, I think that there's a method to this madness even though you can't really control the madness, but there's certainly a point to it. And I think the news media are giving in. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. It's Mm -hmm. all a distraction. I mean, Joe, can you point to any policy out of the Biden administration that has been successful and positive to the American people? 
you know, I've yet to find one. We have uh, runaway inflation. We have a border crisis. We have crime through the roof in all of our major cities. And, you know, Maria, remember when he took office, this was the great unifier. We're going to bring everybody together. The adults are back in charge. I don't exactly know how yeah. calling people semi-fascists and terrorists is accomplishing that goal. And, I mean, this rhetoric has consequences. We know that firsthand in law enforcement. We've been denigrated and demonized for the better part of a decade, and we've seen historic violence against us to the tune of 234 police officers shot. So every leader in this country has a responsibility to calm the rhetoric down. And doesn't President Biden have enough to worry about, aside from just attacking voters? Let's solve the border, let's solve inflation, and stop attacking people just because they voted for somebody else. A method to Biden's madness. That's our talking points this morning. Nothing is accidental. Everything is planned. There's no extemporaneous activities that are taking place, which are what, what are extemporaneous things that happen, things that just pop up out of the blue, unexpected. In this case, everything we're seeing and hearing is premeditated and planned. So let me ask you this. Did the president really pour steaming buckets of official White House hatred upon the heads of about 75 million American citizens simply for the sin of disagreeing with Joe Biden? Did he really pour those buckets of White House hatred upon our heads? Simple answer, yes, he did. With just two months before the most important election in our lifetimes, Biden decided to kick those tens of millions of Americans to the margins of society. He branded pro-Trump MAGA Republicans as hateful fascist or semi-fascist, whatever that is. Joe, you call them fascist. You dehumanize them. And what do you do with opponents who are less than human? Just about anything you want, right? Just a few days ago, with the critically important midterm elections just two months away, the president made that non-political speech of his, remember? The speech his White House puppet master said was about his battle for the soul of the nation. There was no soul in the president's speech. It was ugly. It was dark. It was hostile. He treated the nation the way he and his Department of Justice treat the parents of American school children who dare question woke curriculum taught in public government schools as potential domestic terrorists. What about all those BLM riots in 2020? Billions of dollars worth of real estate obliterated. Five people being shot and killed. No talk about that. It's only about anything that those evil Republicans support. Biden's designers set the stage offering that dark, blood-red wall of Philadelphia's historic Independence Hall. It was bathed in shadow, a marriage of Lenny Reifenstahl and Joseph Stalin. Or was it a gathering place for Sith lords and the U.S. Marines standing on guard behind him? made it clear this was official White House business. He raged against the enemies of the state, those MAGA Republicans, 
saying that they represent a clear and present danger to the country. Isn't that what the autocrats say before they start rounding up dissidents and have them stand against the wall? I hope this president provides a blindfold, perhaps a pack of camel wides and a lighter. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. Joe Biden, he actually said that. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. They refuse to accept the results of a free election. And they're working right now, as I speak, in state after state to give power to decide elections in America to partisans and cronies, empowering election deniers to undermine democracy itself. Was it all paranoid and grotesque and over the top? Yeah, of course it is. It was a distraction from the multiple failings of his administration. It was nothing like his 2021 inaugural address in which he at least tried to act as a responsible leader of a divided nation. We can see each other not as adversaries, but as neighbors, he said back then. We can treat each other with dignity and respect. We can join forces, stop the shouting, lower the temperature. For without unity, there is no peace, only bitterness and fury. But that was then. He certainly brought plenty of bitterness and fury to fill you with him last week, and he offered Americans who disagree with him not much place to stand, except perhaps up against that blood-red wall of his. Then the next day, the very next day, the president said he really didn't mean it. Come on, look, guys. He's talking to reporters. You keep trying to make that case. I don't consider any Trump supporter to be a threat to the country. Who is this guy? Joe Biden. Is he the president of the United States? throwing bloody red meat to his partisans, including his shock troops of the corrupt legacy corporate media, the same media that colluded with big tech to suppress the pre-election newspaper stories that came in the New York Post about Hunter Biden's corrupt business dealings with China and Hunter's laptop from hell. Or is he some doddering old geezer full of his own hot gas, a meat puppet, whose own words mean nothing to him now and never did. Mr. Biden is a serial fabulist, a well-known plagiarist and a racist demagogue who used a fake foghorn leg hen voice to shout at black voters that Republican milquetoast Mitt Romney would put them all in chains. Legacy corporate media carries his water including mainstream press like the New York Times, the Washington Post, network news, TV shops, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, and NPR. And having so many water carriers does help him try to distract voters. But the people could see what was missing. He talked of how he loathes political violence in the January 6th riots, but Chewbacca man with the horns on his head wasn't going to take over the government. What sane person doesn't loathe political violence? Many of us didn't like what happened on January 6th. 
But we also hated what happened to American cities in 2020 with the George Floyd riots when Democrats weaponized those mostly peaceful protests in the hopes of driving the Democrat vote and great cities were put to the torch. Some, like Chicago, they're still burning, haven't recovered, don't know that they will. Yet in Philly, against that blood-red wall of his, Biden didn't mention the riots of 2020. He didn't mention the Democrat left doxing conservative Supreme Court justices by publicizing their home addresses or the attempted assassination of Justice Brett Kavanaugh. He didn't talk about those, didn't mention those. Or the arson attacks on all those pro-life crisis pregnancy centers around the nation. About a dozen of them so far. He didn't dare bring up the I-word, inflation, or rampant street crime in the big cities. He didn't talk of Americans being forced to choose between buying expensive groceries or costly gasoline to get to work. He didn't talk of his trillion-dollar college tuition bribe for votes, putting the cost of tuition on the backs of working Americans, or the school children and their parents, who were bullied by the national teachers' unions and blue state Democrats during the hysteria that closed schools, taking care of school union politics, while leaving children irreparably harmed in ways we won't fully understand for years. The president's speech was all about misdirection and fear, waving one thing out here where everybody can see it in his right hand, All the time, he's got his left hand behind his back, and he's doing something he doesn't want us to see. They're red, the bad news, and they're thinning wallets, their 401ks, and weak bank accounts. They don't care what conservatives or liberal pundits say. They won't forget what they see there. In his bizarre speech, Biden put the metaphorical heads of his political enemies on spikes. Perhaps that did satisfy some pro-Biden journalists, those who constantly scream warnings about those evil conservatives, yet yearn for authoritarian one-party rule from the left. Why? The left has always been about force. You don't think leftist journalists can be fascists themselves, particularly those who virtue signal to all who'd listen, prattling on and on about never expressing their onions? If so, then you really don't know them, do you? But I know them. Former President Trump is amoral, yes, and transactional, but he is not a fascist. When he was elected in 2016, I wrote that Trump wasn't the cause of political change. He was merely symptomatic of American loathing of the elites, the swamp dwellers, he called them. Trump voters are the opposite of fascists. They seek freedom from government. They don't want to empower government. It's the Democrat wielding the federal hammer that they oppose. And Biden? He's nothing more than a useful idiot a corrupt fool in a twisted symbiotic relationship with his crackhead son, Hunter. Joe is the aging meat puppet of deep state American Kimmelist. As long as he played ball, 
They kept him around. Yet Biden barked on and on about those MAGA semi-fascists. Well, just who are those semi-fascists of yours, Mr. President? Look around you. Open your eyes. The fascists who pose a clear and present danger to the republic are not MAGA Republicans. They're Democrats. These days, fascism lives on the political left, in media, and in Democrat politics. Think of big government power and big corporate leverage joined by the reach of the big tech to suppress troublesome news and thoughts. This is the new Democrat ironed triangle. It does not tolerate dissent. Will the president's speech move voters, meaning the people, independents, the Republicans and the Democrats, before the midterm elections that are now just two months away? Did Joe's basket of deplorables moment in Philly change anybody's minds? I doubt it. The American people might, excuse me, the American people might not understand fascism from the left. Some might remember Stalin and Hitler were both socialists. But most Americans see the president for what he is. They're not stupid, even if some politicians treat him that way. They made up their minds about Biden a long time ago. They look in their wallets. They see inflation eating their retirement savings. They know who's to blame for the high price of gas, too. And now, they're just waiting for November. Interesting, isn't it? There's some big-time news that has come out from different sources. You remember that embalmer from Alabama we had on live here? Hirschberg is his name. He was on here about three weeks ago talking about an amazing thing that he began to see in more and more bodies that he was embalming that were brought to his funeral home. And the strange thing was when he was pushing the blood out, and it's gross to talk about, but you know what they do. They, in someone's veins laying there, of course they're dead, they pump through those veins and get all that blood, get it out of those bodies. And he was finding more and more he couldn't get it out of the bodies. And then when he began to really examine, he found out that within the veins of these people, there were these long kind of plastic things from as short as a foot to as long as six feet, gelatin-like. He couldn't figure out what it was. And he sent some of it off to lab test, and it came back that it's nothing that is just generic, that it goes hand-in-hand with blood. Very, very sinister things going on there. And we've got more sinister stuff to tell you about. And you do not want to miss this. This next story will knock your block off. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. 
Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmers Trucker Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. For over 75 years, people have saved money with... Oh, with Geico. Sorry. Here we go from the top. And action. For over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko. Cut it. What? What did I say? Gecko. I said Gecko. Oh. For over 75 years... (laughs) (laughs) Keep it together. I'm good. I'm good. For over 70... (laughs) What are you doing there? Stop making me laugh. Gecko. Saving people money for over 75 years. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. There's only one Dan Newman anymore well that just wouldn't be fair guarantee my wife and our children they're glad there's only one of me that there's not another dan newman running around there are other dan newmans it's not a unique name dan and newman anyway back to the stories at hand you heard those stories that uh, people are talking about what the president is saying, he's labeling people, he's demeaning anybody that disagrees with his policies, anything that he's doing. If you want those borders closed down there, you're a fascist. And he thinks, all of them think, whoever is in his crowd, and we, we know who the obvious players are, they're all despots. They're all power hungry and they want ultimate, ultimate power over you and me. And it's amazing because more Americans than I ever thought would happen are okay with that. So I ask you today, how much are you willing to give up? How much of what? Your freedoms. How much of those are you willing to give up to try to get things that you want from this government. And you do understand it's Joe Biden in the White House. What does that have to do with it? Well, as long as Joe Biden's in the White House, everything in the United States government is for sale. I hate to say that, but it's been proven again and again and again. And if, the big I word, if in the midterms, Republicans are able to get the House of Representatives and start doing real investigations, we're going to see in here shocking things that we never thought could happen in American politics. And we're even going to be more shocked when we find out these things have been going on for decades, getting stronger and stronger, no accountability for anybody for doing or getting involved in any of this stuff. 
How do they talk about it? What do they say? Well, it's just one of those things. We're in Washington, D.C., and a lot of things happen in Washington, D.C. that people don't like, but too bad. The political party in power right now are Democrats. They're going to do what Democrats do. And we know what they do every time they gain some more power. One thing they've been very successful at doing during this pandemic is taking control of the narrative about everything to do with COVID-19. And have you noticed, as scientific as this nation is throughout its 262 years, as scientific as, scientific as we are, as educated are the people of this country in science and physics and biology. Here we are, and we can't get any facts in place for anything to do with COVID-19 and what it does to people and what it doesn't do to people. You know what? They purposefully like to keep the answer out there floating around in the air and that we, the people, don't have an absolute definition of capturing what their motive is. And there's a whole lot more to it than things that we know. You remember Mark Stein? Mark Stein, he lives in, uh, he lives right on the Canadian border. He's, he's from Canada. He's got a great British accent. He sat in a, a bunch of times when Rush Limbaugh was unable to do his show. And uh, Mark Stein is probably as pointed or more pointed as was Donald Trump about things that he was very positive about when he brought them out to the American people. When he talked to us about them, he knew what he was talking about. So in the middle of this COVID-19 cloud of mystery that still hangs over our heads, if you ask Joe Biden about it, he'll tell you, it's no big deal. We've got We've got it under control, but then he forgets that he purposely has kept us in a COVID-19 emergency status. That allows him, any president that's in power, if a emergency act is put out there, it gives them more powers than they normally have. And most politicians in D.C. have some type of lust in their hearts for more power. But what about these things that are unexplainable? Still, COVID-19, we don't know, we don't understand. Here's what we think. These are the scientists, the ones that have been here for a long, long, long time. They're very well proven to be factual, to have knowledge on this. And then they follow Fauci's lead and they flip-flop on pretty much everything they tell us. Mark Stein weighed in late yesterday. I want you to turn your volume up. This is about a three or four minute audio file. And it's just Mark Stein pointing some things out. I think you'll know why I brought this to you. Nothing to see here. On Sunday, mountain biker Rab Wardell won the Scottish cross-country championship, the national championship. On Monday, the champ went on BBC Scotland to talk about his victory. Talk me through it then. How do you contend with three punctures in a race like this and go on to lift the gold medal? 
Unfortunately, I'm a, probably a little bit too too well practiced in managing <laughs> punctures. But uh, no, it was a yeah, it was it was a. To be honest, it was a bit of a disaster. But no, I just just have to, to to keep on trucking and and keep racing. And I guess still felt confident that I'd be able to to catch the leaders and and win. So yeah, just give them my best shot. So a tremendous come from behind win on the Sunday. On the Monday, he's on the BBC talking about it, full of life there. Then he goes home and dies. Headline from the Daily Record, mountain biker Rab Wardell dies just two days after winning Scottish Championship. He went into cardiac arrest on Tuesday morning, less than 48 hours after winning a national championship. His poor, devastated girlfriend, Commonwealth Games and Olympics champion Katie Archibald, uh, tried to revive him, but she was unable to, as she subsequently tweeted... I still don't understand what's happened. If this is real, why he'd be taken now so healthy and happy. Rab Wardell was 37, which is no age to die. Nothing to see here in cycling and nothing to see here in rugby from the Huddersfield Daily Examiner. Tributes to Halifax rugby player Ben Ben, who has died suddenly, aged 30. Ben Ben from Siddle died suddenly on Monday, leaving his family and friends completely shocked. The 30-year-old dad played competitive rugby for a host of local league and union teams, including Huddersfield Giants and Bradford Bulls. Nothing to see here in rugby, nothing to see here in cycling, nothing to see here in football. Uh, from the Daily Mirror, quote, tributes have poured in after the sudden death of West Belfast footballer Molly White. Uh, Molly White was 20 and a rising star in women's football. Uh, nothing to see here in boxing. Also from the Belfast Telegraph, a young boxer who passed away suddenly had an infectious smile and kind-hearted nature, his West Belfast club said. St Michael's Boxing Club led tributes to 19-year-old Dominic Oscar after his death last Thursday. Nothing to see here in cycling, rugby, football, boxing, 37 years old, 30 years old, 20 years old, 19. Fit, healthy, in the peak of condition, and dead. But nothing to see here. A few months ago, I thought there might be something to see here in all these sportsmen suddenly dying, and I'm being investigated by Ofcom over it, so I certainly wouldn't want to make that mistake again. Nevertheless, as we've reported, in the Canadian province of Alberta, the leading cause of death is not cancer or dementia, but cause unknown. Uh, death from unknown causes. This was uh, how it's... You see the way? It was just 500 in 2019. Two years later, it's 3,500. Cause unknown is now spreading to other provinces, including my own native Sod, Ontario. On Saturday, Rhea Vanort from Hamilton was jet skiing on Lake Ontario with old friends she hadn't seen since the COVID came along. The friends turned away and then looked back and saw Ms. Van Oort's body floating in the lake, also sudden death. She was 32 and a paramedic, which I mentioned because it means certain things can be inferred. She leaves a six-year-old daughter. OK, let's move from the case studies to the big picture. Here is a table from a new report. I expect you're wondering who it's by, some crazy far-right QAnon conspiracy theorist? No, it's the US Society of 
actuaries. An actuary, for the benefit of you Twitter trolls, is a person who calculates insurance risk. And if you don't do that accurately, you wind up paying out a lot more money than you ever intended to. So let's look at Table 5.7 from the Society of Actuaries showing excess deaths in America broken down by age. Focus on that... Uh, red bit. Uh, we'll come to that in a minute. At the left-hand side of the table from 2020, the spring and summer of COVID, it's not good. You can see excess deaths of 15 and 16 percent. Thank goodness all those vaccines came along. Eh? But then look at the third quarter of 2021. Twice as many dead 35 to 44-year-olds as there should be. Uh, and actually almost as lousy numbers for those in their late 20s and early 50s. So look at that, excess mortality for 25 to 54-year-olds, young and middle-aged Americans. Anything going on in the third quarter of 2021? Well, that was actually the peak of vaccine mandates in America, uh, where in a variety of occupations, from paramedics... Uh, to Manhattan waitresses in diners. You had to get jabbed to keep your job. And oddly enough, that coincides with massive excess mortality among people in the prime of life. But altogether now, correlation is not causation. That's the dispositive line there. OK, we've seen a similar picture in the European Union. Here's the latest report from Eurostat. They're keeping it simple uh, here. The pale yellow is for countries with the lowest excess deaths. Uh, so that's like Hungary, where deaths are actually down, 0.3%. Uh, Slovakia, deaths are down 1.9%. Bulgaria, 7.9%. So Bulgaria's got a, the opposite problem from most places. It's got excess life. Uh, you'll scan the Bulgar papers in vain for sudden death from cause unknown. Whereas that dark maroon there, those are the worst countries with excess mortality over 15%. Estonia, 16.2%. Spain, 16.7%. Portugal, excess mortality of 23.9%. More dead bodies than usual. Tell you what, just for fun, boys and girls, let's also take a look at vaccination rates in Europe. Uh, this is the uh, rundown of countries. So look at that. The least vaccinated country in Europe is Bulgaria. And they also have the least excess mortality. And the most vaccinated country in Europe is Malta, which isn't included in the excess mortality stats. So let's go to the second most vaccinated country in Europe, Portugal. And they have the highest excess mortality. In so the lowest country with the lowest vaccination rate has the lowest excess mortality. And the country with the highest vaccination rate has the highest excess mortality. But altogether now, correlation is not causation. Nothing to see here. Can you believe that? You would think that in the landscape that the United States has lived through, we've all lived through the last two years, two and a half, three years, you would think this news would be front and center. You've heard the stories. I've heard the stories. It's kind of like uh, in a story in a newscast, it's got 20 stories in total. When this was reported, if it was reported, it was way down the list, like number nine or 10. It was kind of thrown in. Oh, by the way, 
This should be front and center. I mean, out there being blasted around the world, just like all of the COVID fanaticism was broadcast around the world with hatred and fear and taking over people's minds, scaring people to death. I know of one couple, an elderly couple that lives here in Northwest Louisiana. They have not been outside the confines of their house since COVID's first lockdown. They're scared they're going to get infected with COVID-19 and that their immune systems, because they're elderly, they're in their 80s, they're going to catch COVID and they're going to die. Nothing to see here. This story that you just listened to Mark Stein tell us factual information. We've all seen these young athletes dying very unexpectedly. Those are the people that you would think would never have any major health problems because these people were champions of their bodies. They were athletic, very active, and just bam. All of a sudden, they're gone. If our government was really taking care of us and really pushing us or pointing us through the decision ban to pick the right decisions, if that's what they were doing, they would have shared this with us a long time ago. This is not new. It's been happening for the last two years. Nobody's talking about it. And it's happening among the vaccinated. That's why they're not talking about it. Listen, folks, this is a very, very serious thing that's going on. They've actually created a name for this. They haven't told you anything about it. They haven't tried to explain it at all because there is no explanation other than what you just heard. And what they're calling it is SADS, S-A-D-S, Sudden Adult Death Syndrome. Remember, we had it with infants. Now we have it in adults. No explainable uh, description of the conditions that will cause these things to happen, like those things you just heard. And so what are we supposed to do? Fauci told us, follow the science. He hadn't given us the science on this. You just heard the results from Mark Stein. No stats. No explanation. And people are dying from being vaccinated for COVID-19. From Krakow to Grand Island, Milan to Hanoi, this is TNN, the Truth News Network. Hello. Hello, sir. I hear you having problems putting together your new kitchen unit. Oh, yeah. Uh, the instructions say that. What now? The instruction manual. It makes absolute... Stop reading that. Well, what would you suggest I use? I suggest you use the fact you're a man. Huh? Guys who got pride never relied on no guide, sucker. I'll give you some step-by-step instructions. <laughs> Buy Snickers, remove wrapper, bite chocolate, and get some nuts. Go to GetSomeNuts.tv for more Snickers man coaching. Long live the courageous, May God bless and keep you the tenacious, May 
ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram, proven to last. Anytime you want to weigh in with your opinion, talk to your friends and neighbors live at TNN Live. Feel free to call toll-free 1-866-378-7884. That's 1-866-TRUTH. I'm going to weigh into something here that I think is really, really important. You remember day before yesterday, we talked about Kelly Nelson's story that was released yesterday at truthnewsnet.org. In fact, when Steve Baker was on here in our second hour yesterday, we discussed that ad nauseum. She was like many conservatives in the, in the nation. She was a Trump supporter when he ran and was tickled to death when he won. But because of some of his actions that really were serious, and some of his inactions that may have been even more serious, she feels like Trump has lost his way. And then at the end of her story, if you haven't read it, go look at it. It's really important. Kelly Nelson is one of my favorite writers. She's part of our team here, and uh, she's always right out front in your face. You get facts. She footnotes everything with hyperlinks. All through any article that she writes, you can click on it and it takes you to the source from which she got that particular story. But I disagreed a little bit with her approach yesterday. So I thought the best way, instead of me writing some kind of, um, oh, I don't know, pushback about some of the stuff she said, instead of doing that, I wanted to give you a story kind of like the one you just heard, all the young athletes dying. This one's not about young athletes dying, though, but it is about COVID-19. You remember or have you heard the name Dr. Paul Alexander? He's an epidemiologist with expertise in evidence-based medicine. In April of 2020, he was recruited from his role as a pandemic advisor for the World Health Organization to assist the Trump administration and navigating the pandemic here. In his interview with the Brownstone Institute's Jeffrey Tucker, the expert in evidence-based medicine recalled how he was watching President Trump in a press conference with the White House Coronavirus Task Force, including doctors Anthony Fauci, Deborah Burks, trying to understand what they were saying and bristling at things, upset, screaming at the television, and knowing that something was very wrong. The person who called him related that due to many of his public statements in published papers, he was noticed by the Oval Office. They were looking at that time to expand the table of consultants with people that the president can trust. 
Alexander said that after some thoughts, he decided to accept the offer, which made him employee of Health and Human Services, reporting directly to the Secretary and Assistant Secretary, Michael Caputo, as well as advising the White House and all of the managers and directors of the CDC, the FDA, the NIH, and others, including all the members of the COVID task force. After moving his family on that, they want you to come and go to work here. He moved his family to Washington, D.C. He rented a condo near the Capitol building for about three grand a month, 3000 a month. And he did so with the understanding he would be reimbursed for his moving expenses as well. Alexander showed up for his first day of work at the HHS building only to discover that the deep state had moved to, uh, for all practical purposes, veto his being hired by the Trump administration. The doctor said, I was, I was told very straightforward meetings by the highest level people that word had come from the deep state that they will not complete my hire. So all of the paperwork that needs to be done for a government person to come here or even as a Trump appointee, they will not move. They will do nothing to complete it. The epidemiologist who graduated with one of his two master's degrees, by the way, one of those from Oxford University, he defined the deep state as the entrenched bureaucracy, those career public servants those who think they run the country and own the country. Without such paperwork being completed, he would not only be deprived of a salary, but he wouldn't have any security clearances, which are necessary to even get into some of the buildings, attend meetings, and do his job. Understanding he was being targeted for his potential to provide and present through present through evidence negating the overall COVID narrative that the deep state was inflicting on the nation and even the world, including the ongoing disaster of lockdowns and the dangers of mask mandates. In the middle of all of that, Dr. Alexander resolved to remain in Washington and allow his superiors to sort out his status and salary concerns and try to do his best to serve the nation. In the meantime, his host figured out that they could classify him as a scientific volunteer for the U.S. government, which would provide him with the necessary clearances to do his job, but he still would have no salary. Resolving to go day-to-day in this situation, hoping for a resolution and the reception of back pay, Alexander continued for weeks and even months with zero income. And a resolution on this issue never happened. If they went as far as to not pay you, they're not done. The press is what's going to take you down. As part of his job, Dr. Alexander was constantly in contact with members of the task force. That included Dr. Fauci, who was the director of the NIAID. I get hung on that every time. It's the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, NIAID, N-I-A-I-D. Daily, Dr. Fauci, he emailed them studies, excuse me, Dr. Alexander every day would email them, people at 
that group that he was supposed to be a part of, emailed them studies, anything I saw that would help in their decision, anything at all. As part of his job, he was constantly in contact with members of the task force, including Fauci, also implemented at the time as a feature of government's COVID-19 response, was a daily high-level morning meeting that involved directors, managers, supervisors, and more from multiple governing agencies, sometimes ranging between 50 and 100 people in these meetings. These meetings were held either in physical boardrooms or through teleconference, Zoom. Being new to D.C., Alexander's bosses warned him several times there were people in these calls who worked for NIH or the CDC whose job is to subvert and undercut President Trump. Monitoring the meeting, they will leak to the press anything that can be used to advance their goals. That's what these people that were training him told him. And it was like, that's no big deal. So you must be very careful about what you say, his bosses warned. They're going to leak everything we say to the press. They're also going to work with the IT division to get all of our communications, all, including yours, Paul. And they're going to find ways to smear and target you. If the deep state decided they weren't going to hire you, complete your document paperwork so you can get your official badge. They continued, if they decided and went as far as to not pay you, I don't even even understand somebody would have to be told this. If they don't pay you, they're not done with you yet. If you're still not leaving, they'll go to the press. And the press is what's going to take you down. You've got to be very careful. But here we go. In June or July of 2020, when President Trump was holding campaign rallies, making the case for why schools must be opened in the fall and mask mandates should be lifted, a heads-up communique was sent to all of these high-level government officials informing them that Fauci would be making media appearances in the coming days, presenting the opposite message, asserting why schools must remain closed and why children need to be masked, etc. Several individual officials replied to the full group in the email, each of them reaffirming Fauci's message in opposition to Trump. Now, wait a minute. He works for Trump. Dr. Alexander does. Yeah. So what's your point? One would think a commitment by an individual to our government regarding very patriotic things would be uh, viewed and observed to be very, very positive for us. In fact, the exact opposite is true. People are resenting this process. At that time, Alexander was reading many scientific reports on the grave damages resulting from school closings and the catastrophic harms of masks, especially for children. So I decided that I would respond. I would enter the debate. I would enter the conversation, he said. Paraphrasing his message, he responded to the email chain that if Dr. Fauci going on the news, he should be armed with the best science. 
And if he's going to make the case that schools should remain closed and children should be masked, Dr. Fauci is wrong, and here's why. And the NIH, National Institutes of Health, is incorrect. Dr. Alexander went on to attack 10 to 15 studies demonstrating that masking is wrong, very harmful to children, very harmful entirely to anyone, ineffective, and that schools should not be closed. The schools should have never been closed and should be open today. Immediately, he got all of the nastiest sharp retorts from many of the officials in the thread, warning that he had made a grave mistake, pushing back on Dr. Fauci openly and the NIH senior scientists. It does appear that no one seemed that they wanted to present a scientific argument for why Alexander himself was wrong in his assessment. The broad consensus simply emphasized that this epidemiologist made a grave mistake embarrassing Fauci and his colleagues. Two days later, Dr. Alexander relates how he learned the results of offering a compelling scientific argument that it exposes the erroneous COVID-19 narrative of the NIH and the CDC among the deep state agencies in Washington. Following one of their standard meetings at HHS, two individuals whom he identifies only as manager and supervisor, one from CDC and the other from NIH, walked with him as he returned to his office, relating in a friendly tone that they wanted to meet him because they really enjoy some of what you're saying. Hmm, interesting. They explained very kindly to him, however, the base of this all was to seek common knowledge in D.C., sending off his email to Fauci and the NIH, pretty much slapping them down was a very serious matter. They're going to do everything now to destroy your name and your career. So when Alexander asked why they would be doing such a thing, they said, you questioned Anthony Fauci openly. You said that he was wrong, and you said the NIH was wrong, and you provided all these facts. You pretty much showed up the scientific arm as being out of step in today's world. After ordering to write Fauci an email apology, these individuals whose names are withheld by Alexander told him, no, you don't understand. It's done. It's over. They will select communications between you and all the parties in your unit and across HHS, and they will fill a word on a line that we see may be wrong, incorrect, or whatever. They found a line, and they're going to leak it for about four days to the mainstream media across the board, all of them, and they're going to create a narrative, and they're going to destroy your name. The media already has the line and has already written their stories. It's just going to come out on a certain day, they said. Three or four days later, 
Stories came out in the press attacking Alexander for promoting the natural herd immunity strategy with his colleagues in an internal email correspondence where he printed out that pointed out that children and low-risk adults should be encouraged to just live their lives as normal if or when they're naturally and harmlessly infected with COVID-19, they will recover, build immunity, and help protect these volunteers. That all makes sense, right? Well, not so much. Not so much. A few months later in October, Distinguished Infectious Disease Epidemiologist, Public Health Scientist released a document called The Great Barrington Declaration, advocating for Alexander's precise approach to ending the pandemic. This declaration, its website, currently reports endorsements by over 63,000 medical practitioners and mental and public health scientists. The media pressure on Alexander continued relentlessly into September, including stories hitting the press, charging Dr. Alexander with interference with CDC publications when he expressed his professional judgment that they were hitting, writing hit pieces on the administration. And with regards to kids and the virus, he wrote, CDC tried to report as if once kids get it together, there will be no spread and this will impact school reopening. The whole gist of this is this mom really loves her boy and she wants to make sure that he is walled about by peers, people he knows, family members extended or even people that live here, you're, you've got those people doing this heavy work. And that's a good thing. Because of media attacks, he was subjected to death threats, harassment by reporters. Reporters. That's not supposed to happen. They were camped out at his home, a period of his life he classified as hell. Since it was the campaign season, the White House also put him on lockdown as they didn't want him to suck any air out of the president's messaging. Thus, he was not even allowed to defend himself in any way the media with statements or interviews. The White House reportedly advised him to preserve and persevere in silence one more day until another story breaks the news cycle. If the story is big enough, they told him, you will disappear. Which is precisely what I happened, hoped it would have happened with the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg on September 18th. At that point, Alexander experienced some relief from his media pressure. In describing what he casually and repeatedly referred to as the deep state, Alexander said that if Health and Human Services had 10,000 employees, maybe 9,900 were against President Trump. It was that serious. In fact, he reports that many of those career officials confided in him, stating glowingly and confidently, we work daily, daily, every day 
from early in the morning to close of business. And still, when we get to our homes, our sole purpose is to undercut and undermine Trump 24-7. Our jobs collectively at FDA, CDC, is to make his COVID-19 responses come across as an unmanageable, ungovernable, chaotic set of circumstances. That's pretty demeaning. That's pretty pulling out and slashing and burning. In fact, he, re, he recalled being in situations where Fauci or his team would threaten the president if he didn't approve something they were requesting. They would tell Trump that they will go to the media right now in five minutes and leak that we are Muslim. We're muzzling Dr. Alexander in the White House. The most dramatic account presented by the Canadian scientist recalled an acute conflict that occurred on September 16th, precipitated by HHS authorities demanding he tender his resignation by 4 p.m. that afternoon. Dr. Alexander received an early morning call at home that day, and it came from an HHS official directing him to report to certain persons immediately upon his arrival at the office. Recognizing the demand as being out of the ordinary, he made a few calls and learned of the government's pressure to demand his resignation that day, that very day. What kind of administration allows this kind of stuff to happen? The most dramatic account presented is just what you heard. But after he concluded these calls on his government-issued work phone, his private phone rang with a call coming from a person inside the White House, inside the Oval Office, that Alexander didn't want to identify. We know that the deep state bureaucracy is moving to fire you today, this person reportedly told the epidemiologist. We wanted to get in touch with you to tell you, don't go to the office. Thus, the White House official said they would be contacting HHS to direct them that Dr. Alexander would not be resigning and of his coming transition. They also re-emphasized to the epidemiologist himself, don't go to the office, don't hand in your laptop, don't hand in your cell phone, just act as if you didn't hear any of this from anybody today. Just after he concluded these calls on his government-issued work phone, his private phone rang with a call coming from a person in the White House, inside the Oval, that Alexander didn't want to identify. We know that the deep state bureaucracy is moving to fire you today. This person said that. Repeat reportedly telling those epidemiologists, we want to get in touch with you to tell you don't go to the office. Thus, the White House officials said they'd be contacting HHS to direct them that Dr. Alexander would not be resigning and of his coming transition. They also reemphasized to the epidemiologist, don't go to the work office, don't hand in your laptop, don't hand in your, your wallet or cell phone, uh, 
and act as if you didn't hear from them today. Shortly after ending this discussion and preparing to go home in the day, Dr. Alexander received another call from HHS authorities on his work cell phone asking why he wasn't at the field office yet. Alexander asked if they had heard from the White House and they reportedly confirmed they had. Well then, you're aware I'm not coming today, he replied. No, you must, you must come in today by four, as we told you. And we want your equipment before that immediately. And you have to tender your resignation by four. If you don't, at 4.01, we will be put on an advisory that we have terminated you. Further, stated, they stated, we don't care what the White House says. Listen to this. They're telling him this. We don't care what the White House says. Donald Trump is not running the government. We are. That's a pretty strong short statement, but it gives you the idea and the concept of what this is all about. Listen, this kind of stuff and worse is happening every day in your world. Sometimes we we see a shadow of it. Sometimes we don't see any of it. And a bunch of the time, it's right out in front of us, right before our faces. So what are we supposed to do? What's the call to action that you have here, Dan? It's very simple. You got to stand up and be counted. You got to let your opinions be known and the right people to hear them. Uh, don't sit there and say, I, you know, I can't talk like you walking up to a total stranger and talking to them about this. I will guarantee you in this city, every runner knows all about what this is being discussed to be. Seriously. It's all about getting power over people for what is ahead. What you heard, that audio soundbite, Mark Stein, what he told us there, it's going to come in waves and it's going to take out a bunch of people. They told him Donald Trump doesn't run the government. We do. Can you believe that? They're actually admitting it. Donald Trump in his presidency, according to this group of people that were in the manufacturing of government ideals at the time, they knew all about it. They knew everything going on, but they didn't share any of it with Donald Trump. I'm sure one of the biggest problems he had looking over his shoulder was he didn't make changes when it was very obvious He needed to make changes. And it's that old thing we tell you all the time. Nothing changes if nothing changes. You want something changed in your life? It's real simple. All you got to do is make a decision on your own that you're going to change it. And then you take whatever steps are necessary to make those changes and make sure that you have the support built in so that you're not overwhelmed with what you just bought off. You follow me? Make it work for you. And be loud and in people's faces that are over you and make sure they understand where you're coming from because you don't want them 
to coming up with an answer on their own because it won't be good. They've already painted all of the people that were there as insurrectionists. And a huge majority of them didn't get involved in any way in that insurrection or whatever you want to call it. They arrested 600,000 Americans. A couple of hundred of them still locked up in that filthy jail in Washington, D.C. This is not legally allowable. Who's holding Joe Biden hostage? Who's making him be accountable for this stuff? Right now, there's nobody that I know of. So what do we do? We keep trucking, folks. We got to keep trucking. There's no place to lay down. (laughs) There's no way to even slow down. That doesn't exist. So what do we do? How do we slow down? You need to sit down with people you love and look at all the details of your collective lives. Everything you're going to do. If it's Monday, what do you normally do on Monday? And you write it down. And if any of it's going to change, you just scratch through it or line it out and date it and put your initials underneath that so whoever comes around, they'll know this was here. It's gone because they're doing something even better. Engage with them. Engage with them. Larry Kudlow. You know who he is. Larry Kudlow on Fox News came out last night with another nugget that I think you'll really feel good about when you hear it. Larry Kudlow is up next at TNN Live. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless sleep blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships. Like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue. Cheddar, sour cream, salt and vinegar too. You sample them all cause the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home. But now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. Conservative thought, not just talk. At TNN, the Truth News Network. And again, Dan Newman. Before we get to Larry Kudlow, just got this very important update. Joe Biden's top COVID advisor 
has said that the White House now wants people to have an annual jab to protect against coronavirus, saying it should be as routine as the flu shot. That COVID response team coordinator on Tuesday confirmed a long-hinted policy of annual vaccinations. As the annual flu vax campaign kicks into high gear later this month and into early October, we expect millions will choose to get their COVID-19 shot at the same time or over the course of the fall when people go in for routine checks, he said. The good news? You can get both your flu shot and COVID at the same time. It's actually a good idea. I really believe that's why God gave us two arms, one for the flu shot and the other one for the COVID-19 shot. They're normalizing all this talk. Yeah, it's no big deal. You're going to get a shot every fall. Just like you have been with flu or you probably have been with the flu through the last decade or so. Why are they pushing so hard to get so much spike protein, which is the chief element of the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines? Why are they pushing so hard? When you're dealing with the federal government, folks, and something smells funny, smells too good to be factual, almost always it is, You need to understand that. You live in a world where it's all moving parts. Nobody's standing still anymore. Everybody is doing something. And are they doing the right things? The people who are in leadership over us? Are they doing doing the things that they're supposed to do in your family with those family members? We need to analyze everything we have in our lives, every person we have in our lives. Put a value on it. I'm not talking about a sticker that shows how much you paid for it in cash when you bought it. It's real value. The people in your life that have real value and begin to morph your thinking towards that on a daily basis. You'll come out on top of all this stuff and if you think it's bad now, wait a while. We're not even close to getting started. And this this thing we're dealing with now, it's never going to go away. They are going to perpetuate the life of COVID-19, its necessity to be attacked by specific drugs, and that means big pharma and big bucks. Larry Kudlow last night, he weighed in on um, some of the stuff Biden is saying a bunch of stuff Biden is doing. Well, there he goes again. President Biden campaigning yesterday in Wisconsin in front of a very sparse crowd, I might add, and repeating his divisive claims that MAGA Republicans are a threat to American democracy. Now, he started this a week ago calling Trump followers semi-fascist. That's about 74 million people who voted for Trump. He started this a week ago with two speeches that were uniformly panned by people and pundits alike. And then he walked it back last Friday, which was probably one of his brain glitches, because then he continued yesterday. But the whole thing is utter nonsense. In fact, as Dan Henninger wrote, the real problem is that Biden is a semi-socialist, or as Newt Gingrich and I would say, a big government socialist. Talk about democracy and freedom. 
Here's Mr. Biden weaponizing his Justice Department and FBI with an unprecedented raid, uh, raid on Mar-a-Lago for a bunch of documents that represent nothing more than some kind of disagreement between the National Archives and former President Trump. I'm no lawyer, but it looks like all that's necessary here is some kind of out-of-court settlement where Trump simply returns the documents if the archives can truly prove their case. The former president himself has already said he'll give them back whatever they want. But an unprecedented invasion of Trump's home and his wife's personal belongings was not only unprecedented, but completely uncalled for. Or, speaking of freedom, we learned that Biden's staff are on the phone to social media like Facebook, Google, Twitter, and others to remove criticisms of Biden policies. Or, we now learn from Miranda Devine that the FBI have been sitting on Hunter Biden's laptop for over a year, again, telling Facebook and others not to print the New York Post revelation of incredible influence peddling. Turns out, nearly half the voters wouldn't have cast their ballot for Biden had they known about the story. And a Trump-baiting FBI agent squelched damaging interviews with Hunter Biden business associate Tony Bobolinsky just tried to erase him. Is that really freedom? Is that really democracy? You know, the reality is the far-left progressives lining up behind Biden do not believe in free speech. As Lance Morrow writes in the Wall Street Journal, they desire maximum total state or party control of all aspects of American life, including what people say and think. This is a classic leftist Soviet-style approach. Parents aren't allowed to attend school board meetings and guide public school curriculums. Instead, Merrick Garland labels them domestic terrorists. In Biden world, it's okay to continuously picket the homes of Supreme Court justices, even though that directly violates federal law. Nobody was ever prosecuted. This is not the first time Mr. Biden has lashed out at his enemies. And yes, he suffers most heavily from Trump derangement syndrome. He'll do anything to keep Trump off the ballot in 24. And he'll do anything to undermine Trump achievements. Remember, it was Biden who lied about Operation Warp Speed vaccinations. It was Biden who lied about high inflation. It was Biden who lied about the current economic slump. This is a guy who lied that the Afghanistan exit was a great success. This is a guy who inherited a non-inflationary boom and in a little over a year, turned it into a high inflation bust. This is a guy who was using the massive executive branch regulatory authority to jam executive orders down our throats. This is a guy who was completely in denial that over two million illegals have crossed into the U.S. because of his open border policies. This is a guy who was waging war on fossil fuels. Indeed, who wants to end fossil fuels and who has no alternative vision for renewables. The result? Sky-high prices for oil and gasoline and natural gas and coal. This is a guy who wants a battery economy, but won't let the people mine the resources here in the U.S. at home to develop batteries. This is a guy whose ally, California Governor Gavin Newsom, has declared an end to gas-powered cars, but is now telling EV owners they can't charge their batteries. Whoops, no electricity. Whoops, fossil fuels produce over 80% of our electricity. 
Now, this is a guy who was in complete denial about the fentanyl epidemic that is sweeping the country, where nearly a million Americans have lost their lives. The precursor chemicals are batched up in China, sent to Mexico to manufacture, then shipped across the border, running north to Colorado and east through the American heartland and ultimately to Hunts Point, New York. That, according to a wonderful story in the New York Post. Biden never even mentions the scourge of fentanyl. He can't, because then he'd have to acknowledge the open border that he himself created. This is a guy in complete denial about the crime wave all across the country, left-wing prosecutors who refuse to charge criminals with bail and lets them back on the street for constant recidivism. This is a guy trying to buy an election with student loan cancellations. This is a guy beholden to the woke nonsense taught in schools by the teachers' unions, as well as doing everything he can to promote private and public dues-paying unionization, where the money is channeled to all manner of socialist policies that damage the economy and working folks' wages. This is also a guy who has led the charge from $1.5 trillion of new inflationary spending in just recent weeks, and who, if the Democrats keep control of Congress, would repeal the highly successful Trump tax cuts that benefited blue-collar and minority workers the most in 50 years. This, apparently, is Joe Biden's vision of democracy. This is Joe Biden's vision of America. It's a sad tale. And no amount of insults to over 74 million voters who cast their ballots for Donald Trump is going to bail Biden out. Biden's America is not the America we love. Biden's America is not the America that works. Biden's America is authoritarian. It is dictatorial. It is devoid of truth and more divisive than anything we've ever seen. Joe Biden's America will not stand simply because Americans truly, truly believe in freedom and democracy, real freedom and real democracy. Kudlow was spot on with that particular story. It explains a lot. Listen, let me, let me challenge you. If you really want information, you need to listen closely when you hear these things that we're playing for you from some of the greatest experts of conservatism that are alive today. Kudlow, I think he fits in that because he is a financial guy, but he's also very knowledgeable in the world of politics. He's been in politics in D.C. for a long time, so he gets it. He understands, and he's willing to give us the truths that he carves out and he vets and finds out what's true and what isn't. Just pay attention to what you hear. And speaking of paying attention to what you hear, you remember Kathy Griffin? She's that comedian, the red-haired comedian that held up a likeness of the severed head, all bloody, of Donald Trump. Well, she is doing her part right now to help Democrats escalate political rhetoric to dangerous levels ahead of the November midterms. And they're all saying there will be civil war if voters elect Republican majorities. Yesterday, Griffin, the anti-Trump comedian, tweeted what seemed like a threat of domestic violence if Democrats don't prevail 
in the midterms. If you don't want a civil war, vote for Democrats in November. If you do want civil war, vote Republicans, she wrote. Her tweet appears to part of the left's coordinated effort to raise political temper to alarming levels through deliberately provocative language. Her tweet came just a couple of days after President Joe attacked Donald Trump's supporters as domestic enemies, saying his now infamous speech on Thursday that MAGA Republicans represent a threat to the country. MSNBC's recently claimed that a civil war is already here, citing Republican opposition to FBI's Mar-a-Lago. Griffin's severed Trump head wasn't the only time she endorsed political violence. In 2020, she advocated for the physical assault of then-President Trump by tweeting that she wanted someone to stab him with a syringe with nothing but air inside, which would be a potentially lethal act if it creates an embolism. She later deleted the tweet following the negative reason for it and the upgrades. People coming and turning to find out, excuse me, find out what she's up to. And I think more than anything, people like Kathy Griffin, they're just trying to either make themselves be um, plugged into what people want to see and hear, making yourself publicly available so you're shopping the fact that, hey, I'm Kathy Griffin, I'm a red-haired, funny comedian, and I'll go work for you, work anywhere, doing my, my thing. And the only way they can get noticed is when they make some big-time negative noise. That's what she's doing. That's all she's doing this for. Nobody's calling her out. You ever have people that uh, show up in your life that all you ever want to do is reach across the table and just slap the fire out of them? Maybe just to get their attention. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I deal with that. And this is the kind of scenario Kathy Griffin did with that severed head. You watch. She's going to try to double down on that somehow and get some more press. I mean, the press lover when she did this stuff before. Oh, my gosh. She's a goddess. Germany's in trouble. You already know this. As we predicted would happen, the Russians decided to turn the spigot down, in some cases uh, turning the spigots off to that pipeline that leaves Russia and goes across northern Europe. Germany, being who they are, they consider themselves to be more econ- ecology, ecology aware than anyone else in their circle. They're just arrogant. Well, they're in the process of shutting off nuclear energy because of the threats of nuclear emissions that get out of hand. But they announced that they're not going to be closing all of the nuclear power plants in Germany by the end of the year, after all, and will keep the two open until the spring as the country faces this energy crisis. The neck worsted them to an ISAR 2 
nuclear reactors are going to be kept there available to Germany for emergencies until April. That's according to an announcement by German Federal Minister of Economics Robert Habeck, a member of the Green Party. Only the Emsland nuclear plant in Lowry, Saxony will be shut down by the end of the year as the government had initially planned to kill all three remaining plants. That's interesting. The two plants that will remain online until April will be placed in an emergency reserve situation, which will mean that they will not actively produce electricity, but personnel will come to work at the facilities to ensure safety procedures are being followed and keep them ready to go online. According to Minister Havoc, it would take about a week to get the plants online and connected to the energy grid if they already needed to counter shortages. Balden Wurthenberger Energy and Environmental Minister Felda Walker commented on the federal government's decision to keep the Neck Warstrom plan open, saying, We will now look very closely at the results and conclusions of the stress test here in Balden Wurstenberg. To ensure a secure power supply in the coming winter, it may make sense to keep the two nuclear plant provided available should the need arise. You've already you've already got them built. It's not gonna hurt. I mean watch what happens moving forward and then make some transition decisions on your own. These Europeans, like the UK, like Italy, like Germany now, they fight about more things that mean nothing than you or I would fight collectively for anything. They're just out there They've got their wares, they're hawking their wares, and the wares they're hawking are actually cloaked as totalitarianism, authoritarian rule, giving the likes of Joe Biden unilateral power to move forward, do anything and everything he wants to do in the government. The American people can't let that happen. We've got to break through. We did one time with 2016, didn't we? Nobody expected a Trump victory, especially not his political opponents, but they miscalculated the American people, and they're doing the same thing again. Have you ever heard the name Matthias Dofner, D-O-P-F-N-E-R, Dofner? He's the CEO of the German media company Axel Springer S.E., And that company was the subject of a lengthy piece in the Washington Post, which delved into his media business philosophy. He called it his roughly $1 billion purchase of Politico in 2021, his biggest and most contrarian ever. We want to prove that being nonpartisan is actually the most successful positioning He said in an interview published yesterday, while the Washington Post defined his personnel, personal politics, a mystery, 
an email he had sent to Close Confidence weeks before the 2020 election, signaled support for then-President Donald Trump. Do we all want to get together for an hour in the morning on November 3rd and pray that Donald Trump will again become president? Doffner asked in the email. The message was in response to workers and reporters that the Trump administration aiming to file an antitrust lawsuit against Google. How would they know that? It's just once again, once again, there is no doubt in my mind. Somebody is monitoring conversations. Somebody is reading mail, maybe specifically, maybe just uh, in the way of thinking and way of doing, they're reading our mail and they're getting their hands on everything we're looking at, going through our trash. I've actually seen that happen in our subdivision one time. We keep those big trash cans on rollers. Everybody's is exactly the same. Every house is given one. And everybody looks the same, but nevertheless, they're still what they are. And inside them is a bunch of stuff that they just want to throw it out. So in a bizarre exchange, Doffner initially denied to the Post he had written that email declaring, that's intrinsically false, that doesn't exist. It has never been sent, never been imagined. But when shown a printout of the email, Doffner conceded he may have sent it as an ironic, provocative statement in the circle of people that hate Donald Trump, adding, that is me, that could be me. According to that report, Doffner argued Trump succeeded in five of six key issues, which include defending the free Democrats against Russia and China, financially pressuring NATO allies, tax reforms, seeing peace in the Middle East, and challenging tech monopolies. The issue Trump was with the weakest, according to Doffner, who was tackling climate change. The German businessman and journalist asserts he'd never been to a Trump rally nor a Trump supporter despite the flippant email he admitted to sending but described himself as a non-Jewish Zionist with small L liberal tendencies. The Post also noted he once called Tesla CEO Elon Musk one of the most inspiring people I've ever met and how a son of his works for right-leaning tech billionaire Peter Thiel. And the accounts by these people that are political activists now, they just roll out. I mean, everything that is happening, especially if the name Donald Trump is even remotely included, they're talking about it. They're making sure going into this election that you and I, we know exactly what's happening and we know exactly what to do. News overnight about Dr. Fauci. He is in deep doo-doo. Fauci, White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre, and other top Biden administration officials who were resisting efforts to obtain their communications with big tech companies and must be handed over the records of federal jury ruled on September 6th. U.S. District Judge Terry Doughty 
a Trump appointee, ordered the government to quickly produce documents after it was sued by the Attorney General of Louisiana and Missouri over alleged collusion with big tech firms such as Facebook. The initial tranche of discovery released on August 31st revealed that more than 50 government officials across across 50 government officials across dozens of agencies were involved in applying pressure to social media companies like Facebook and Twitter to censor other users. But some of the officials that had refused to provide any answers or answers at all questions posed by the plaintiffs. Among them, Fauci, who serves as director of the NIAID, I'm beginning to sound like Joe Biden. (laughs) Uh, uh, uh. The government claimed Fauci should not be required to answer all the questions or provide records in his capacity as the NIAID director in his capacity as Biden chief's medical advisor. It also attempted to withhold records and responses from Jean-Pierre. In that brand new ruling that came out yesterday, Doty said both Fauci and Jean Paris inceded excessively needed to comply with the interrogatories and record request. First, the request information is obviously very relevant to plaintiffs. Dr. Fauci's communications would be relevant to plaintiffs' allegations in reference to alleged suppression of speech related to the bat lab leak theory of COVID-19's origin and to alleged suppression of speech about the efficiency of mask and COVID-19 lockdowns. Jean-Pierre's communications as White House press secretary could be relevant to all the plaintiff's needs. Doty said referring to examples such as the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop should ahead of the 2020 presidential election should have been censorship free. That was what we think. Actually, that was the way it is and still is. A criminal probe requested by the incumbent president, the seizure of clothing, medical records, tax records, 500 pages of attorney-client privilege docs, not covered by a warrant, the sharing of privileged documents with investigators, more than simply appointing a special master to referee an evidence dispute. U.S. District Judge Eileen Cannon exposed this week a Justice Department search of former Trump's home that was initiated by his chief Democrat rival that was carried out so sloppily that it violated the least intrusive mandate in the FBI agent's manual, and that failed to keep legally protected materials failing while my car is sitting there, while something is just sitting there. Highly protected materials keeps them from falling into the hands of investigators. The problems uncovered so far put Trump at risk of suffering injury from government's retention and potential use of privileged materials, adding that a future indictment of the ex-pres based on the August 8th search of Mar-a-Lago would result in reputational harm 
of a decidedly different order of magnitude. In other words, Cannon wasn't convinced by the DOJ's argument that its honor system, known as filter or taint teams, was adequate to protect the 45th presidential constitutional rights. The court takes a different view on this record, she wrote. Cannon's labor ruling is simply an opening salvo. Whether Trump's claims of executive privilege, attorney-client privilege, or an unconstitutional, overly broad search prevail will be decided sometime in the future. This could drag on until after the first of the the year. In fact, i got to be honest with you. I don't think we'll see any hard stuff coming out of that bag. I don't think we're going to see that for a while. We need to get our stuff together so that we can uh, we can shoulder some more things that there's no way we could take right now. There's more news coming out of Washington, D.C. It, it, one thing good about it, the fact that this show is on and it starts mid-morning, 9 a.m., 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time. There's a lot of things that uh, we would miss Otherwise, but we've got time in the morning to grab those for you. And even as we go live on the show, there are still things that are coming out in the news media that are important, and we'll keep dropping those for you every time we hear them. Now the uh, buzz phrase to demean your political opponent is it's no longer MAGA, it's no longer Sleepy Joe. Trump calls Biden an enemy of the state now. He's an enemy of the state. You want to know the truth? The enemy of the state is him and the group that control him, which is circling around him. Do this, do that, Joe. You're going to do this, Joe, right? That was former President Donald Trump there unleashing on Joe Biden's highly criticized speech from last week. Last week, President Biden addressed his country where he called MAGA supporters extremists and a threat to democracy. His 24-minute speech was either praised by those who viewed it as strong leadership, but it was wildly criticised by the Republican Party, who slammed Biden for categorising 75 million Americans as extremists. Donald Trump hosted a rally in Pennsylvania over the weekend, where he took the opportunity to call Joe Biden an enemy of the state. The 45th president didn't shy away, calling Joe Biden's address the most vicious, hateful and divisive speech ever delivered by an American president. As you know, this week, Joe Biden came to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to give the most vicious, hateful and divisive speech ever delivered by an American president, vilifying 75 million citizens as threats to democracy and as enemies of the state. You're all enemies of the state. He's an enemy of the state. You want to know the truth? The enemy of the state is him and the group that control him, which is circling around him. Do this, do that, Joe. You're going to do this, Joe, right? I think Philadelphia was a great choice to make this speech of hatred and anger. His speech was hatred and anger. By the way, the next morning he forgot what he said. You saw that. They asked him about, oh, I didn't think I said that, did I? Oh, no. How'd you like the red lighting behind him like the devil? As America nears towards the midterm elections, the president took the opportunity to address his country and call on his supporters to battle for the soul of the republic. 
While Donald Trump still hasn't announced his run for president in 2024, the mounting speculation seems to have prompted the Democratic Party to start the early campaign. Take a listen to some of the remarks made by Joe Biden last week. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. But there's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. We're all called by duty and conscience to confront extremists who put their own pursuit of power above all else. Democrats, independents, mainstream Republicans, we must be stronger, more determined, and more committed to saving American democracy than MAGA Republicans are to destroying American democracy. I don't know about you, but I see the lines being drawn, and I mean in really dark ink. It's almost like the left is pushing for some kind of conflict to happen internally. And listen, folks, the worst, the absolute worst thing that could happen to this nation, it's not China blowing us up or a nuke, an ICBM coming over from Russia or even uh, North Korea developing and getting their nukes and them firing at our West Coast, Kim Jong-un. It's about internal struggle, internal strife, divisiveness, division. And you've heard that old adage many, many times. Divide and conquer. That's a world-worn-out phrase that has actually been implemented through centuries The best way to beat your political foe or your military foe is just take all of their options away from them and show the people there's a big gulf between you and them and convince the people then that they're the enemies. They're the ones that the people need to fear. They're the ones that want to tear a country apart. And Joe Biden keeps talking about democracy. Listen. This country was never founded and still isn't, never been a democracy. We are a representative republic. Now, what's the difference, Dan? Well, in a republic, we do have elections. We have free and fair elections, supposedly, in which we elect representatives to go and represent us in Washington, D.C., in the House of Representatives in the U.S. Senate. That's the whole plan. That's the structure that is supposed to work. And in many cases, it continues to work. The difference between living in a republic and living in a democracy is this. In a pure democracy, it is the epitome of mob rule. All one must do is get emotions running all through the country rapidly. Get them amped up. Start pointing fingers, placing blame, lying, cheating, stealing, whatever it takes to get them whipped up into a frenzy. And then the mob takes over, and it has nothing to do. There are no needs any longer for any kind of elections. Somebody, some group, maybe small group, some individual, maybe one or two or three, we don't know. But it seems to me more every day that this Democrat Party is actually 
trying to create enough strife among Americans, strife between them and their, their friends, even family members, that that divisiveness will give them a chance to push further, push harder, and their ultimate goal is to take total control of the country. They want to do away with elections. They want us to turn to and become a country where there is no need for elections. People in their group are the ones that decide who's in power and who's not going to be in power. That's looking bad. When you're fed up with the nagging heartburn of today's lies, how do you spell relief? TNN. Des Moines HelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month. The one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday you took a selfie, hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday you were at an amusement park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Daves, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. More news coming out this morning. It has just been reported that the FBI secretly pressured Americans into signing forms that relinquished their rights to own, purchase, or even use firearms. That's according to a trove of internal documents and communications obtained by the Daily Caller. These forms were presented by the FBI to people at their homes and in other undisclosed locations. This is according to bureau documents unearthed through the Freedom of Information Act by the Firearm Rights Group Gun Owners of America and shared with the Daily Caller. At least 15 people between 2016 and 2019 signed those secret forms, which asked the signatories to declare themselves as either a danger to themselves or others or lacking mental capacity adequately to contract or manage their lives. Gun Owners of America and their attorneys who specialize in Second Amendment law said that the existence of the forms raised some serious legal questions, you think? I mean, don't we still have the Second Amendment, which gives anybody the the right to own and bear arms? We're into a pre-crime minority report type of world where the FBI believes it can take constitutional rights away from anyone that it thinks possibly might pose a threat in the future. That's Robert Olson talking. He is the outside counsel for that group in firearms law, which certainly is not something you expect in the United States, you think? This form they're passing out specifies that signatories are going to be permanently registered with the FBI's National 
instant criminal background check system, which the form states would legally bar signatories from even being able to purchase or possess or to use any firearm. It's unclear what exact criteria the FBI used to identify those signatories, but some forms include bureau notes detailing ongoing investigations. Many signatories allegedly made violent threats in online chat rooms, in person, and on social media platforms. This is in the FBI notes. The 15 signed forms obtained show FBI agents in Massachusetts, Michigan, and Maine presented them to Americans whose names were redacted by the Bureau. This all just seems so stinking sinister, doesn't it? I mean, this is the United States of America. We're not supposed to have this, you know, the big brother thing, standing behind us, looking over our shoulders, and planning our lives for us. On that note, <laughs> we're going to end the show today. I'm going to do something different. This You're about to hear the song Cats, Cats in the Cradle by Harry Chapin. And all you dads listening in, I want you to listen to the words. Listen to what kind of conundrum Harry Chapin's dad found himself in. And think about the lost relationship that certainly was there. A wide gulf between his dad and Harry Chapin. Be a better dad. Love your kids. And talk to your boys especially. See you tomorrow. A child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away, and he was talking for I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm gonna be like you, Dad. You know I'm gonna be like you. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know. I said, not today, I got a lot to do He said, that's okay And then he walked away, but his smile never did It said, I'm gonna be like him Yeah, you know I'm gonna be like him And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon the Little boy blue and the man on the moon When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when But we'll get together then You know we'll have a good time then College just the other day So much like a man I just had to say Son, I'm proud of you Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile What I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys See you later, can I have them, please? And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man on the moon When you're coming home, son, I don't know when But we'll get together then
since retired, my son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said I'd love to, Dad, if I can find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids are the flu. But it's your nice talking to you, Dad. It's been your nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me. He'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me.